0: Tell me about your family life. Did you have any brothers or sisters? No, only child. Right. Only child. Um,
1: I desperately wanted a, a, a sibling, I think, though, like as a kid, like growing up, like I really wanted that, that sense of companionship. And uh, I envied people that, you know, that had that. Uh, but then, you know, like later on in life, I guess I, I met, you know, people that, you know, like that were multiples or, you know, like had, you know, like many siblings and stuff like that. And they're always like, oh, I wish I was an only child. So kind of fun. Grass is always greener, yeah, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And your parents, they broke up at an early age in your life. They did, right?
1: yeah. Uh, they split up when I was around three and they divorced when I was like maybe uh, six or seven.
0: So is that almost too young to really ever know what uh, a normal quote unquote family structure, family structure. feels
1: like? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I guess the the question really is like, what is normal? But yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't remember um, ever having like you know both parents at home or anything like that. You know, and um, but I do remember that when you know like when they were together, it was it was it was just toxic and hard. You know, for for them. They they just couldn't get along, and it was better for them to, to be apart. But um, yeah, what yeah. was your relationship like with both each individual parent? I think it was. I mean, it was uh, it was weird. Like you know, uh, I grew up you know living with my mom most like on the like the the weekdays, and then I would go to my dad's on the weekend, and um, and you know it was one of those things where you know even though like. You know, there was there was marital problems stuff like that. It wasn't my place or my you know my my business. You know what I mean? And I always, you know felt like you know my my mom was my mom, my my dad was my dad, and and their relationship you know was neither here nor there in in, in my eyes. Like you know, as long as they were good parents, you know, it wasn't a big deal. And then when I got older, I you know you find out certain things, and then you know either. You, you re- rebel against that and, and feel animosity towards someone, or try to put blame on one of them for, you know, what happened in their relationship. And, and I, th- I feel like, you know, uh, it's unnecessary. It was unnecessary, you know. But it's all—it's all part of growing up and, you know, trying to to f- find your 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 place and your, your moral spectrum. You know what I mean? And, and kind of enforce that on, on other people. So. And what were you like as a
0: kid in terms of your interests, your friendship circles? And you went to a Catholic school, right? So did, did. did that shape your view on the world in any way as well?
1: <laughs> no, they say right, you can count the atheists in the room by how many people went to Catholic school. <laughs> um, I went, yeah, I went to I went to Catholic grammar school and I went to Catholic high school. Um, uh, I think I remember I remember vividly uh, being in in like fifth grade and being forced to sign a petition uh, against uh, a, uh, a movie being released. Like, uh, it was a movie called Priests. And it, um, uh, you know, it was about, uh, of course, like, you know, like priests, you know, like molesting children and stuff like that. And it shown the church in a bed light. And I remember the, the you know, principal and 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 the nuns that was the teacher at the time my teacher at the time like you know saying it was a requirement that we all had to sign it. and i remember even in in a fifth grade mindset being like this is ridiculous like, questioning that yeah, yeah. Like, i'm one i'm way too young for uh, have a binding signature on anything <laughs> yeah. Yeah. is and this how legal can, yeah, how can you force me to to sign a petition that's ridiculous you know so uh i kind of summed up by my feeling on on organized religion. I I, I feel like um, I I so desperately wanted to uh, to believe in something bigger than myself, and uh, I liked that idea. I thought that the people that could do that, um, uh, I envied them, you know, um,
0: because they had a place and a sense of purpose in the world.
1: I think because uh, they. Because if there, if that was true, if there was something out there, then anything was possible, you know. Um,
0: and from what you were saying today at the acoustic gig, that's clearly something which is still, you know, at the forefront of your mind. Is that hope that yeah, I mean, anything is possible and life is what you make it.
1: And absolutely, yeah. But I, and I but I mean too, like in, in otherworldly realms, like right, you know, right, okay. Like, uh, I, the, in a
0: life after death sense, or yeah,
1: all yeah. of that, yeah. Like, wouldn't it be? Uh, it would be a wonderful thing if we could prove that we weren't just worm food after this. Like that would be a wonderful thing. But I, I think the
0: effects and the seismic impact that would have on human existence, though, that uh, would be a
1: well. A crazy if you we think about thing, this, right? right th- there's, there's, there's two sides to that to that coin, and I feel like uh, right now we're in such a uh, dire straits because people are so concerned with this, what comes next and afterlife, that they're they actually uh, you know destroy what's around them. And and don't treat the people uh, that are here or the place that we're on, the the the, the place that where we're on, guests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they don't treat that with any kind of respect because they're concerned about the the next realm. You know what I mean? I mean, we, there's so how much uh, killing and and um, and sorrow and and just atrocities are in the name of of, of a god or or uh, in the name of you know I believe something that you don't believe. You believe something different than me, so then I have to you know just. Create horror. Yeah, like, that's that's a terrible thing.
0: Um, your friends and your kind of social activities from a young age. Were you into music always? I mean, what were you up to outside of
1: signing petitions against <laughs> movies being made that damn the Catholic Church? Um, well, I remember in, in grammar school, like it was very uh, it was very sports oriented, and so in order to like have any kind of friend, uh, I I joined like sports teams and stuff like that, and and it was. Very obvious to me that I didn't want to do that, you know, or be around that, or you know, be involved in it. Like, I would find any excuse I could to just sit on a bench. You know what I mean? But, I used to do the same. Yeah, you yeah. Know what I mean Like, eat monster munch crisps and listen to the radio in the gym and pretend that we're working out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, <laughs> you know, like be on the team so that you had a friend. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You didn't have to eat lunch alone, but at the same time, like, you just didn't want to be a part of that. Yeah. So, I welcomed high school. I welcomed that. That. Uh, that next step and and at least there you know like there were other outsiders that you could kind of be befriend. was that
0: a kind of characteristic in your life then did you feel that you were always sort of a bit different to yeah. the majority of your peers
1: i thought i I felt that even if I tried to hide it you know what I mean um I remember you know here's the thing though when I got to about seventh or eighth grade I found it i, I I found my niche and I, I got a guitar mm-hmm. and 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 even if I didn't really know how to play it at that point like I would definitely stand in front of a mirror and pretend that I knew how to play it Yeah, you know that's, I mean? that's, how, like, you, it, that's it how you that's how you start right yeah that's how you start but <laughs> yeah. also it was an identity at that point you know yeah. what I mean it was like oh well, you put it on and you felt
0: like you were like, it right felt off like com- something
1: yeah. yeah it felt like it belonged it felt like you know even if I didn't uh, have it figured out at that point like I knew eventually it would make sense and it was something that that was important to me
0: was your first band called you started gigging pretty early right
1: I did uh my first my first gig was the junior ring dance and I was a freshman and I wasn't allowed to be there because I wasn't old enough so they I had to play the show and then I had to leave (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it was cool uh and I remember too like my a friend of mine like uh I met this kid uh his name was John McGuire eventually ended up giving him the nickname Hambone but uh, Hambone like he was he was an older he was like uh, junior yeah I think he was the junior and uh, he was he became friends or started dating this girl that I that I that I knew and uh, she was like he plays guitar and he came up to me one day he was like you play guitar and I was like yeah and he was like we're starting a band and I'll never forget the next day he came over to my house I was like oh no what's going on this kid's serious yeah this yeah, kid's yeah. super serious it wasn't just like we're just talking about this like yeah, yeah. well we're doing it now and, uh, and, you know, we started a band and it was just two of us and we both played guitar and that was weird. So he recruited like the rest of the people and got us a gig at the school and that was the start of it, man.
0: And that wow. was Pensy Prep, was it? Or was this pre-that band? That
1: was peep, that band, pre-Pensy Prep. Right, yeah. right, right. That was uh, a band called Steve Weil and the Disco Kings. That's a great name. It was. Nobody in the band was named Steve Weil. That's, that <laughs> makes it even better. <laughs>
0: um, at what age did you kind of become aware of the punk rock scene, the hardcore scene, and align yourself with that Community, I think it because it was strong in New Jersey, right around. Yes,
1: yeah. Well, it's it started in in grammar school, at, you know, Nirvana basically, and through Nirvana, you would find out about like you know, like Sonic Youth and the Melvins, and and um, you know, uh, you, you would. Get from Sub Pop to SST to Touch and Go, and 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 you find out about these like, bands like, you know, who's Steve, Steve Albini? Like, you know, what's Big Black? And I was like, I don't think I'm, I should be listening to this music. This is amazing. Songs you know about I mean? fucking, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> so, uh you kind of dabbled there. Yeah. And then you got into high school, um you know, people were like, oh, you listen to this, or you should listen, you know. Like, do you know about Black Flag? And you're like, yeah, you're like, you know, well, you listen to Misfits, they're from Jersey, and that, that became huge. And then from there, you know, I started to find out about bands like the Bouncing Souls. Yeah. And, uh, and then from there, it was like, you know, the New York hardcore and stuff like that. And what, what was the epiphany, I think, for me was finding out that there was local bands that were like my age, putting on shows and playing shows and, and just kind of starting their own thing. Like you didn't have to be a, a virtuoso. You didn't have to be like this punk rock hero. You didn't have to be Sid Vicious Like you could do it on a grassroots level. And that, for some reason, didn't dawn on me until until like freshman year of high school. And uh, and that was that was the it. That was the end all be all. You know, like, I, you know, you found out about shows, and if you brought like a pan, uh, a can of like you know a can good, you could get into the show for like a dollar, and you got to see all these bands and. I remember... You um, remember
0: your first, like, proper gig that you saw that sent you on your path?
1: Yeah, I saw uh, the Bouncing Souls in Weston, um, which, Weston, of course, uh, was, like, uh, Jim from, uh, or James from uh, Beachlang's old band. Right, right. So, um, it's kind of weird how that's, like... Yeah, yeah. Right now, right? Uh, they
0: just played a great set at Reading at the Lockup a couple of weeks ago. Amazing. A great yeah. yeah. Great dresses too. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and they were in Weston as well. Always, yeah. yeah. Always snappy
1: Always. Um But yeah, at the Pipeline. And the Pipeline was like, that was, that was the Punk Rock New Jersey venue. It was in Newark. And they didn't card and you can go in there and like, and it was like, to- you know what, it <laughs> reminds me, this is so ridiculous. It was like, uh, uh, it was like, like the the Pinocchio like uh uh fun land. You know? Right, yeah, like yeah, yeah, went, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anything went, you know. Yeah. And uh it was just like a whole new door had been
0: open right? And you step oh, stepping totally. through into this whole new magical world. Fuck
1: man. Yeah. Everything changed. Everything, you know
0: how old were you when you became aware of Gerard and Mikey and Ray? And did you meet all those guys at once? Did they all filter in one at a time? How did um, you come to find yourselves in this, you know, position where you were like, okay, this band, Pensy prep that I've been in has kind of ran its course. Right. You guys are doing this thing. I mean, talk us through the steps up till that. Okay. So we'll, let's see.
1: Pensy started, um, I was maybe like 16 on on 17. Um, and I was, you know, graduating high school and uh, and we went on tour and we, we got a record deal with, with Eyeball Records who was, you know, one of those labels that you looked up to because they they'd put out, like, home old beginnings and, and they had, like, an you know, I Hate God record and, and they were just, you know, they were doing it. Like, they were a New Jersey-based label that was, like, putting bands out. Like, Thursday was getting signed. They were getting attention. They were on every show. It was, like, this huge deal. And um, so Pensy signed and uh we did one tour and started to like like one guy left after the first tour finally our drummer decided to that he, he didn't want to play anymore and we were like do we find another drummer do we just kind of end it here and at that point um maybe right before that i had met mikey way and mikey worked at um uh, barnes no one he was just always at the eyeball house and uh he would hang out at the parties and stuff like that just everybody knew Mikey everybody loved Mikey he was like everybody's little brother even though he was older than me you know what I mean Uh, and just a rad kid and um, and then one day Mikey brought his his brother to a party who everybody was like oh this kid's really super cool but he's like really antisocial he doesn't like ever like leave the house and I remember I met Gerard at, at one of the parties and he was like oh you know like um, you know I heard your record I really liked it and then he was like I'm thinking about starting a band like you know I know you guys were on tour Like, have, and like we just talked about like you know, like what he should do and he was like you know I, I want to find this, I get a drummer and I know this guy and you know super focused at such a young age
0: yeah like, but I mean he well, he was older than all of us right like, okay but you as well though being like 16, 17
1: you're like yeah I mean you know dishing out career advice for musicians yeah, like yeah but that's I mean great. really well, I, like you know it was funny like He asked me like I knew any like something, and I was like, "Oh, yeah. Well, this (laughs) is what I did." Yeah. And uh, and so we had a practice studio, and and sometimes they would they would come over and and watch us practice. And I think what him, what G and Mikey liked about uh, me was I had this work ethic where, like, even then, like, like our bands like Pens Grip, like we practiced like seven days a week and for like hours and hours and hours we never left that that practice spot it was you know it, it was our our home yeah you know? i more so than probably our, our parents houses where we stayed so um eventually when 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 they wanted to start a band like we were like well come in into our, our lockout and 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 do it and that's when i met um matt uh and uh and and ray and and i saw their band and i was like wow this is something really special
0: so they were just a four piece at that time
1: yeah yeah yeah, and it didn't last very long because really like, as soon as they started to get their, their stuff together I remember the day that they wrote um, Vampires and and then uh, you know we were all friends so like of course I was going to put out whatever they, they did um, we all went to I went up to Nada with them that day and I remember I was we went up there and I was really really high and, and they were like you know someone had asked them like if they ever wanted to add another guitar player and they were like yeah well you know the only person that we would probably think about was too high to even get up off the couch and I remember being so scared shitless because I was so paranoid at that moment that they were like ask me to play guitar and I, just, I couldn't even function <laughs> that's
0: Parajuana for yeah. you kids yeah seriously don't do that
1: <laughs> but it laid the seed in my head that, yeah, like, yeah. that they even you know Thought of me in that way, and that was really nice and flattering, and and awesome because they were like one of my favorite bands. Like it was, I loved them, you know, as people, but also just as a band. Like it was, they were great, you know. And so um, around that time, uh, Pensy and or at that time, I guess it was I'm like fizzled out. And uh, and they came to my house one night, like late, late one night, and and knocked on my door and were like, "Hey, you want to take a walk?" It was Ray and, and and Gerard, and we walked down down the street, and they said that you know they were thinking about they were going to do a record soon, and and if they were going to if this was the time to add another guitar player, then they should they should do it, especially because I probably wasn't going to not being it not being a band you know forever. Like it, they knew that I was going to join something else or do something else, and they asked me to to join and i said absolutely yeah, and that was that was it and i played my first show with them at club chrome and i remember i remember the the guy that ran uh Ivo, Alex Mitter, like came up to me after the show and i was so nervous cuz i was like i wanted this so bad and he came up to me and was like I thought that would have been a lot better. <laughs> I was like, Cheers, bro. <laughs> <laughs> did but, you play
0: uh, on every song on the first album? Was it just a few? Just a few. Just a few. Um, that basically already been written and for the large yeah. part recorded. And
1: it, yeah, it didn't I didn't I didn't feel right like kind of throwing my two cents into a lot of those songs. Yeah. But uh, one song that we did write together was uh, "Early Sunsets." Yeah. And uh, and the other song that we wrote together was uh, uh, "Honey, This Mirror is a Big Enough to Do It."
0: already thematically there was a you know a big focus on kind of these post-apocalyptic images and you know zombies and vampires and was that something that drew you because i know you're interested in that world as well is that something that drew you to the band is their kind of conceptual
1: ambition yeah you know i mean that was great but i just thought they ben they rocked they just wrote yeah, yeah. great fucking songs and uh and I, you know, immediately, like, it was it was instantaneous. Like, you, it, either you loved that band or you hated that band. There was no, like, eh, it's all right. Or was yeah. it always that way? It was always that yeah. way. Always that way. Because, you know, we never fit in with anyone else. Like, even the shows that we play locally, like, it was like, it was, uh... Almost antagonistic, you know. Yeah. And uh, and that I love too, like any kind of confrontation. I was fucking way into as a kid. So. <laughs> it's punk rock, isn't it? I guess so. I had a very
0: kind of weird late introduction to the band because I guess for me between about two thousand and five, two thousand and nine, I just tapped out a new music altogether. Mm-hmm. I got to university and I discovered as a kid ranted Pennywise, no effects bands like that, and just fell in love with punk rock so I wanted to get back to the root and I went you know just down the rabbit hole with the Clash and the Buzzcocks and all of that stuff and I didn't listen to any new music during that whole time I mean I was aware of you guys when the Black Parade came out because that was inescapable Mm -hmm. Um, but I just wasn't really aware of what you did and then I got a gig on Kerrang Radio as the evening show host and I was like right you know shit I haven't really kind of had my any interest or you know invested time in new music for this amount of time so i've got to catch up and find out what's been going on and i'll never forget just the the level of like passion and love which such a large portion of that listenership for that station had for you guys as a band it was crazy i mean we could talk the whole way here about you know some of those times but i mean looking back on those times now what was the inside of the storm, like for you guys, as, as young kids, because you came to really define an entire generation of people's lives, didn't you?
1: And That's scary and exciting and overwhelming. And it's it's hard to to, to fathom that, you know. I mean, because I know, you know, I, I think of bands that 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 have done that, you know, for at least my generation. Stuff yeah. Like that and, and to even be mentioned in the same likes of that is is. Kind of, it's it's weird, you know. It, it, it's it's a bit daunting. You know what I mean? And also too, when I think when the band was was like you said, like it was inescapable, like at a, during like Black Braid and stuff like that. Like we were so far in this bubble that it, it didn't really didn't you didn't know. You knew something, like you knew you, the band was popular. You knew that, that that people were paying attention because there was a lot of craziness going on around it. But I don't know if we knew to what extent it was hitting people right there in their hearts and actually affecting their lives. It's 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 kind of crazy. (laughs) It's It's wild. Yeah. I'll
0: tell you another thing as well is I couldn't fathom because for me, I got into you guys free playing the Danger Days record. Mm -hmm. And my introduction was literally I I mean, I guess Desolation Row was was probably right around the time. And I was like, this is punk rock. Mm-hmm. you know people who were calling you emo and i remember the older audience was really like against the band and there's a real young old divide and i heard desolation row and then na 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 nah. mm-hmm. and i was like this is and vampire money yeah. and i was like this is just punk rock like this is pure punk to me it had the aggression the energy the ferocity the intent and i guess then i looked back and was like wow the black parade is this grand kind of you know pink floyd 70s influence queen creative conceptual sort of very different thing but i guess at the root of the band was
1: always punk right that yeah, kind of I mean, attitude absolutely i mean the the band you know kind of stemmed from that and, and also too like you know ray's background was very much metal right know? okay and so that's where you know classic rock and metal but like mostly like i mean like he you know those early riffs were like you know him and, and and Otter we call him Matt like just jamming out on like you know like old Metallica and Megadeth riffs and stuff like that like that's just what it was you know and then uh, I think G and, and Mikey had this like uh, a lot of Britpop influence but also G brought like a lot of punk rock to, to the table and, and so did I and so you had this weird amalgamation of all these you know genres that maybe when you thought about it back then like shouldn't fit together but just did yeah you know and it's
0: like if it's good it's good right and if, yeah. you, if you're if looking at it from your own personal filter and you like it all sincerely you can make those melting pot of influences work as one yeah absolutely and that's what music is about right it's taking a bit of this a bit
1: of that and putting your own twist on the whole thing yeah absolutely and it's it's a, the universal language in which all these different factions can communicate you know
0: What's your memories of, I guess, three cheers around that time to kind of jump around hmm. and back and bit? Well, that because was that was, that was the major yeah. label signing, and that was your first proper right. album with the band. And
1: well, the weird thing is, right right before that, um, I remember being at that practice with the old Pensy studio, and and <laughs> at that point, Hamblin had moved into it, and it was like his little apartment, and he got a phone, and somehow the phone number got out, and A&Rs would call the phone. And, like, try to, like, you know, like, get a meeting with, with Mike M. It was, like, so weird. We were, like, are you kidding me? Like, why? <laughs> yeah, you know I mean? But at that point, like, Jersey was such a hotbed
0: that, uh... I guess you had the loved ones kicking off around that time, right, as well? Or was that...
1: yeah, uh, little... I mean, it was, like, Midtown, uh, saved the Day had just gotten signed. Right. Thursday had just gotten signed. Like, all these bands were, were just kind of skyrocketing. And, um... And and people were just kinda any band that was like doing anything they were coming around sniffing and wanting to get a meeting and, and, and just see your show. You know what I mean? And a lot of bands got picked up, you know. Um, but we, we held them off at Baya for a very long time until um we decided after after uh, bullets like this next record we, we do wanna make the jump to a, like a bigger label and see you know, like, hey man, if we're gonna if we're gonna do something like this and, and try our hand at it, let's see, you know, what we can make out of it you know like maybe maybe this is our shot maybe this is the only shot we'll ever get like let's let's see if we can change things from from the inside you know and uh and so we narrowed it down to a couple of labels and, and took a bunch of meetings and, and ended up signing with Warner Brothers and, and uh and they put us in this, I do I forget it man they put in this in the studio with um oh my god he had he was uh, this producer that had just done a Jimmy World record that we really liked and um I'm not gonna drop his name but we, they put us in there like do one song with them and then we had one song that we had written around bullets but like we, we knew it was going to be on the new record and the song was uh death wish right and uh and they put us in the zoo this guy and he was like y- you guys have n- you're not ready wow. <laughs> we were like oh no <laughs> like what are we gonna do well if we're ready now we're already here <laughs> like what like you should have told us that like months ago guys <laughs> but um yeah, so the producer, he wasn't very... So he walked away. He yeah, he just, he, we recorded a song with him, but he was just like, you know, in my opinion, you know, nah, this ain't gonna work, you know. And we we're like, oh, well. Is right. that
0: the confidence then completely knocked out of you guys? I, I mean, think
1: the wind got knocked out of yeah. us a little bit. But, you know, shortly after that, we we just kind of holed up in the studio and we wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And wrote. And, uh, and they the we ended up going to the studio with, with Howard Benson. And, um, you know, Howard and I but it heads a lot but I think uh all in all you know we we made a great record you know and uh well it went platinum
0: not that you know sales are always indicative yeah. of a great record but it did go platinum in like less than a year right so to go from yes, these um, kind of young kids
1: yeah, in I the punk know. scene
0: in Jersey to then boom you're like whoa
1: yeah that was it was weird it, it <laughs> felt you know it felt fast and yeah. it felt like we got a lot of attention real quick and 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 uh, was I this around
0: the time? Did you go out on the Green Day American Idiot tour was towards a, the end
1: of that record cycle? Yeah, right. that was. We went on, and that on was the when day.
0: they because they almost kind of like not dropped off, but you know, they'd gone away or they'd certainly dipped. And I think that album was, you know, definitely their reinstatement as the kings of punk rock. Mm-hmm. So that tour must have been wild. What do you remember from that was that a good
1: that yeah, was a, it was good crazy, tour man. to be on? I mean, that's a that's that was an insane uh time because you know. I remember growing up, like, you know, like, looking at Green Day and being like, oh, my God, like, you know, this band, like, 94, like, you know, I was, geez, when I was, I was 13 years old, you know, and that was, I remember buying Dookie on, on cassette tape and listening to to you over and over and over again, you know what I mean? And now, you're hanging out with these guys, and they're taking you to the movies, and like, <laughs> wow. you know, like, buying your it's lightsabers a good and stuff. It was like, yeah, it was really crazy, um, and, uh I mean, could you ask for a... Uh, a better tour to open up. Like, there's no way. I, we learned a lot. You know, I watched them every night, and they really had it down to a science. Like it, they they took what they did very very seriously, and you could tell. You know, they they honed it. They their stage show was a craft, and it was it was meticulous. And um, and you know, I felt like that was you know they came a long way from like you know playing Gelman, like they're they're now in these arenas, yeah, and and there's pyro cues and and you know like set changes and stuff like that and it was nuts you know
0: did that get your collective brains ticking a little bit when thinking about you know the black parade and the grandiose well and they're the...
1: the ones that told us they're like you know we because we discussed like you know like really we're, like, we're working on this thing it's kind of pretty big scale and it's got a, a pretty big concept to it and they're like you should talk to rob cavallo right because he was that he was their guy yeah he had just done he had just done american idiot and uh, he was their guy, you know. And we we're like, Oh, you mean the guy that did Dear You? They're like, Yeah. And we're like, Holy shit. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and basically, they, they introduced us to a lot of different people. And, uh, and the rest, I guess, is history. Like, we ended up working with Rob on the record. And yeah, I, I, I don't think that record could have been made with anybody else, you yeah. know. Uh, it was a it was a great partnership. That record
0: was it a fun record to make? Was it challenging? Was it? Uh, I
1: don't know if it was fun. It was, you know, maybe you look back with fonder eyes, but I, I know, doing that that record was uh, we we were dropping off like flies on that record, and there was a lot of fucking pressure, uh, self self instilled, but still. Um,
0: so it was equally as much pressure on yourselves as pressure from the label to go you need to follow up the success of three cheers and deliver another plan i don't
1: remember the label ever saying saying that to us but we felt it. i think we put it on ourselves yeah you know that it was a big deal especially too with we knew what we were undertaking and um privately each of us kind of went a little nuts and and went a little over the deep end like you know with with the stress of it of what, what we wanted to accomplish and what we thought we were capable of accomplishing—that was that was a big thing I think coming to grips with. Um, am I are am I personally good enough to be doing what I'm trying to attempt to do? And uh, that's that's a hard position to be in. At like I mean, that was 2005. Say making it right. Like we're still young guys. Like yep, not really knowing what the hell we're doing and and being on such a grand scale. I remember like you know trying to take a step back and wondering if it's all real, you know? Um, but yeah, that was, it was a very hard record to make. But I, I knew that it was fucking special. Yeah. Like, we all knew that we were we were doing something really, really important. And, uh, and I guess that all the more put even more pressure on us.
0: And the tour for that album, I mean, traditionally, when bands go all out, when touring albums it kind of does lead to the end of said band you know that's happened a lot in history i mean guns and rose is a key example of that but it's happened to so many uh what do you remember from the you know was it 18 months or around
1: that amount of time
0: what do you remember from that time of finishing the record and obviously it you know skyrockets and is this huge thing and then you're out there for over a year on the
1: road every day it was closer to two probably i mean here's the thing too is that uh out of those say Say it was two years. Like you know, the whole band being together on on stage was was way f- less than that because Bob got sick and had to stay home. We had replacement drummers. I got sick and had to stay home. My grandmother passed away. Uh, Mikey went home. It was just like we were like like I said, we were dropping off like flies in the studio. We we dropped off like flies on that tour, and it was like, man, how do you survive this? Like, yeah, what are we doing to ourselves? You know, and by all means like that should have been the end of the band like if this was a movie that the credits surely should have rolled <laughs> at that point yeah you know I mean? and, and it felt like you know alright done it's complete um, did it feel like that it did yeah Yeah. but also I was depressed by that fact and I remember coming off the road and, and think knowing or thinking in, in my heart like I'm gonna get a call any moment that you know everybody's like hey you know, that was great, but that's it. And, uh... But I didn't. I got a call saying, hey, let's work on some new stuff. You know? And I... It made me happy, but at the same time, I guess I was a little bit trepidish. Because I, I, I was so unsure why we were doing that, you know? Even though I wanted it so bad. Um, and then... That's when, you know, things started to, to get kind of weird with, like, you know, making conventional weapons and then kind of leaving that behind and there was you know management issues and um and then finally we got into into danger days you know and which
0: was consciously a bright celebratory um fantasy uh oh well, i guess you know the black parade was definitely kind of you know mm-hmm. that as well but it was definitely colorful wasn't it as opposed
1: to say the, the yeah but the i, think, I feel like that was a reaction to uh, our our time in the studio with doing conventional weapons, right? Which, I mean, this sounds weird, but when when I go back, if I if I were to like listen to all our stuff, that's probably my favorite record. Even though it's it's not a record, like if I were to put, I could I could I could sequence that those songs and make it a record, and I think it would be my favorite
0: what do you remember from uh reading festival when you headlined because that was oh, man. that was a massive massive show for the time And i'll tell you a funny story i took my friend joel to see you and uh we took ecstasy and, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and just came up as you came on and it was one of those moments where i kind of felt an investment in the band because and i'm not saying this because you're here and i'm trying to blow smoke up your ass but just discovering you through Danger Days and the passion and the love that this young audience had for you and then on the flip side to that, the hatred that this kind of older audience seamlessly Mm -hmm. uh, not seamlessly, senselessly had for you. I was, you know, I'd, I'd make a point of playing the band and kind of saying, you know, if it gives this much joy to this much people, there's nothing bad in that. And also, have you listened to, like, Vampire Money? I had to almost convince my friend, I was like, you're gonna love this show. They're a great band. And he'd kind of just gone on the, you know, the emo tag that a lot of older people were put off by because that word had come to mean something different by then you know there was all the broadsheet coverage of stupid stuff which we weren't even going to now Mm -hmm. so I said take this with me and we took an ecstasy bill and I was like I guarantee you you're gonna love this show and it was one of the best headline performances I've ever seen oh, wow. and you. it wasn't just the ecstasy <laughs> <laughs> it was so good I remember looking up at Gerard and he looked you could see he was nervous Yeah, you could see it was a huge show for him and he was nervous but you crushed it and then to bring Brian May out
1: and yeah that was a dream come true man especially to like a couple of days before like we went to Brian's house to like rehearse and that was insane wow yeah Uh um, <laughs> yeah, that's know. a moment, right? That's, that's a, a th- moment. He's yeah, supposed to do when he's like, "Hi, I'm Brian." You're like, I know. Yeah, yeah. He's like, "Do you want some tea? I'll make you some tea." <laughs> it seems like, oh my God, this is amazing. So, had you
0: approached him? I mean, how did that
1: yeah, come we, about? We reached out, uh, you know, through the channels, the proper yeah. channels that you, you the bee kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, we just showed up at his house and just knocked on his door. Yeah, chair. yeah. Brian, uh, so we're doing this show. <laughs> he was one of the most. Uh, cordial and humble and accommodating and just a beautiful soul. Such a, a wonderful person. Uh so many people can learn so much
0: from from Brian May. All those old school dudes are like that. And got nothing to prove. Oh my god. They changed the world with their music and they're yeah. like the most down to earth guys ever. Just the coolest. You can just have a drink with them and So that show itself, I mean was that a kind of a, a crown jewel in your career? Oh, absolutely, hands down i guess yeah. because of so much of the backlash which you had in the live environment as well that festivals like that you know the reaction from the crowds kind of going boom and bottling and all that to yeah. then come back and headline and win everyone over and crush that must
1: have been a it's you know it's funny too like i mean i think everything that the the, the band was going through that moment too like that show like the farthest thing from my mind was any past experiences which is kind of crazy because you think that that would be like at the forefront of your mind, mm-hmm. but uh, we we were going through so much shit at that time that and how wonderful that ex, that show was. Waterloo uh, Bridge, right now. Yeah, <laughs> um, that was that. I I really feel like that that reinvigorated the band. I think the reason the band lasted for as long as it did was because of that show. Amazing! I would
0: say. Wow! Yeah. When the end did come, was it coming for a while? Was it difficult? Was it Definitely. amicable? Um, obviously, you know, there's the famous phrase that no relationships end well. Nothing ends well. Right. Um, how did it go down for you guys?
1: Um, I think that we tried to make it as amicable as possible, but like you know, it's 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 difficult. You know, when when, when things like that end. But now, I mean, like you know, it just needed time to pass. Yeah. For it to, to truly be. Time well, time's like,
0: the great healer, right?
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, you understand where each other are coming from on everything. It's just... Here's the thing. The band was supposed to end on Black Parade. And we prolonged it. And it's our own faults. And then, you know, through conventional weapons, that probably was a killer as well. But we got through it and we made Danger Days. And then... Um, then you hang out with Brian May. I and you Brian like, May. Can't and give this up. Lasted even longer, you know what I mean? <laughs> and we're like, all right, let's let's keep doing this and make make more music. And and it just we just couldn't keep it together. It, just, it was just one of those things where it's like uh, you know the band was on life support at that point and uh, and you just needed it was over. You know, had to pull the plug. I had to pull the plug. Yeah.
0: Do you then go and begin trying to find new guys to make music with straight away do you take time to reconfigure who you are and your relationship and place with your you know family but also the world around you and do you get readjusted to just life or do you go straight from that into the next project and and keep that
1: creative muse satisfied and well yeah it's kind of crazy i mean like i was making music with james while that was all kind of going down so i immediately went right into death Spells and uh did a few demos and did some touring and then i was like i guess you know I, I i tried to take a step back and was like i don't know if i want to do this anymore like i did it you know I did you did have cam. those thoughts oh absolutely yeah yeah. I was like did my cam like that you know maybe that's it you know i mean i'll do this death spells thing like on my free time but like i want to do something different like I, I don't know maybe i want to write you know like a you know a book or something you know and i thought about like to like, well, cool like how cool like how could it be to just have like a normal life like I'll just be like a mailman or something. Like, you know, like, all these thoughts go through your head, you know, and and because at that point I really thought that it was just something that I did and it wasn't a part of who I was. And uh, and as we have talked about today at, at the church, you know, I I came, I finally realized like, oh my God, no, this is who I am. It's so much a part of me. Like that, I can't do anything else. This is what I have to. This is what I was here for you know, has to play music and to, and to create. So, uh, coming out of that band, like, you know, did that spells, and then James went on tour, uh, he had to do a Reggie record, and I helped out a little bit with that, and then I just started writing these songs. And they just started to come to me, and I, was, I felt compelled to, to make them, you know, because I, you know, whatever I was feeling, you know, felt sick to my stomach all the time. I, I always... How have about, you always
0: like, had health issues yes
1: yeah but they got is that kind of bad. hereditary or is
0: that if um, have you looked into it or do you know or
1: yeah i have like uh, i have bacterial overgrowth of the lower intestine right and sometimes it gets it's definitely aggravated by stress so yeah <laughs> that was probably so you chose the, the right career yeah, path for it exactly yeah. right yeah. um <laughs> so with that plus i'm allergic to everything So nothing, nothing goes, yeah, everything goes hand in hand with like the perfect storm of, of horribleness, (laughs) you know? Uh, So at that point, like I was, I guess really stressed out and and it it took a turn for the worst and I always felt sick. But the only thing that made me feel good was, was making music and, you know, just being in my basement and writing songs. And so I just started to do that, you know, and I did it for months and um, Matt Galley, who's been, who was Mike Hemp's booking agent uh, in the States for forever uh, you know we were friends and we talked one day and he was like so what are you doing now and I was like I don't know I might do this death spells thing I'm waiting for James to get back he's like well are you doing anything else I was like well I wrote some songs he's like well can you send me I'd love to hear it and so I sent him some stuff and he's like you gotta send this to people like don't you want to do this and I was like I don't know he's like well Send it to some people and see what happens. And um, thank
0: God for people happens. like that in so many people's lives, not just yeah. yours. Because no, very often, when the you know the record contract is over or the band is over, most of those people who are around you, telling you that you're amazing and all this, are gone the next minute. Right? Oh, Once yeah, they've gotten absolutely. their paycheck, what they wanted, they're out. Mm. And it's those few and far between people who are really celebrated as well, because that's not where you know the the media angle is or whatever but there's so many people like that who are just good friends to people who are yeah. in these creative roles oh, and absolutely. they encourage them and support them and guide them so yeah. shout out shout out to, out to your Matt man Gally, man he's, he's
1: <laughs> the man and i you know i'll tell you i remember everybody that didn't answer an email after mike and <laughs> broke yeah no doubt
0: no <laughs> logged and then they come around yep, right yep. and they're also like, oh, uh um so stomach aches was i guess start of a whole new chapter would you say that was sort of a reset moment definitely because the response to it was you know it was incredible and it was so nice watching you play the underworld I mean they're they're the two times really I've seen you perform live I think mm-hmm. that's it oh, wow. it's Reading Festival headlining uh-huh. with My Chemical Romance and then rocking out at the underworld uh, with your band The Celebration mm-hmm. oh, wow. and that's the really joy cool. in your eye at that show was you know it was notable you could see that your heart was sort of if you felt like you were home in these small basement club shows that you'd grown up in and you yeah.
1: kind of come full circle and back around yeah it's crazy man. I mean like for the, oh, the longest time like when when somebody first started start, first started touring it. like I said to my wife too, I was like I don't know if I can do this like if I want to do this like you know and she was like well you gotta give it a shot like if you don't you'll never know and it'll like, eat at you forever so you know and even the first couple of tours I was like I don't know if I'm having fun you know but then it clicked, and I was like, oh, my God, wait. I don't have to do this the way that I think I have to do this. I can do this the way I want to do this and be myself, and I don't have to be, like, you know, some fucking tosser fucking front man. You yeah, know what I mean, like, I don't want that, you know. I'm not that. I can't be that. So, um, you know, I'm going to do this on my own terms, and if it works out, great. If I have fun doing it, great. I'm going to keep doing it. And, and things started to click, and I think... You know, when we did those underground shows like it was like oh my god like I want to do this Like this is part of me, Like this is who I am
0: you could see it, you could right. see those cogs turning in the crowd and it was evident that the people in that room really enjoyed watching you as the frontman, because it was a new experience for a lot of those people yeah. and you were clearly I mean maybe I'm rationalizing it with the benefit of hindsight but you were clearly in that moment assuming that role yourself
1: mm-hmm. and growing into it and enjoying that metamorphosis. I, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was a it was a process, and I it's it. You know, not only am I lucky to get to do like what I did with all the bands that I've been in, but like to get a chance to do this again, and also to have a chance to have people that um, support you enough to let allow you to grow. You know. It, into your 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 role and 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 you mean your fan base when you're saying that yeah 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 yeah. 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 i mean that's that's amazing yeah uh i'm forever indebted
0: well today was a special one again uh a unique situation in a thousand year old church with 500 um you know passionate music lovers chatting playing just you know laid-back acoustic songs and you must be, as I imagine many people, are more afraid of acoustic shows than electric because there's less to hide behind, oh, right? Yeah. And you're more exposed. Yeah. How did you find it? I Being the largest that. acoustic... That's like the Reading equivalent in the acoustic world, right?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know, I kept my eyes closed and, and I had a great time. And <laughs> thought about home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I, I've, I've gotten a lot more comfortable doing these sort of things and and the acoustic shows are there men. there's there is nothing to hide man it's so naked mm-hmm. you know and uh it's the
0: testament and the sign of uh, a true performer as well i think because when it's just you and a guitar and that that right there you know silence if you don't fill that void with chat and some people are afraid of sounding like an idiot as the words come out of their mouth and you can see that, you can see those people and the nerves get the better of those people in situations like that. Even big, you know, stars that you think should be able to hold their own in those situations but can't. And you clearly can. I appreciate that,
1: yeah. I mean, that's nice. that's very kind of you to say. Um, I, It's weird. I, I never saw myself as a person that could, you know, command a room or, or, or even even at, a, like, you know, a personable... Uh, one at the party like yeah. I've never been that guy but um, but you're sincere right and you kind of realize that's all you need to be kind of yeah. yeah you know that's the one thing I can promise is I may not be the best uh, songwriter I may not be the best singer I may not be the best guitar player but I'll never be full of shit mm-hmm. and I think that people can kind of see that with me yeah and, um, and and at least appreciate you know where where it comes from you know it's always going to come from the heart you know, whether I'm having a good day or a bad day, and uh, you know, I'm not going to hide behind uh, a persona or a facade. Yeah, you know, just it's not who I am. So, what's been happening with the 10th
0: anniversary Black Parade yeah. stuff?
1: Because I'm excited for that to come out. I think uh, I think people are really going to um, get a, a better insight to some of the stuff in, that went on in that that house and, and what went, went on behind the scenes of that record. Um, you know. I can't... First off, I can't believe it's been 10 years. Holy shit. Like, yeah. that's, that's nuts. Yeah. But, um, we were saying that on the way to the church show today. Crazy, right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, when we... When we... You know, Warner Brothers approached us about doing, like, your own reissue of it and wanted to include, like, you know, some unreleased stuff, like, we we went... Collectively went through, like, old recordings. I went through, like, old hard drives of stuff that I had, and, like, you know, I had this song or that song or this recording this demo, and uh, we combed through all the stuff that you know, we wanted to include, and uh, and I wrote a piece um, about what it was like to be in that house, and uh, we had a lot of communication about about you know putting this this together and like or at least the the secondary CD, and uh, and the artwork and stuff like that, and um, it was it was nice to work on that together, and uh, and then you know, we we gave it off to, to Warner, and then all of a sudden then then that that video got posted right which was unbeknownst to you guys was it Uh, i mean we we knew that we wanted to use the flag thing Uh the way it was done and when it was done was kind of a surprise right and um was that annoying was that just i don't i mean as you say surprising it was surprising i think what was um maybe not the most positive was that everyone Oh my god, they're getting back god. together. Yeah, everyone yeah. got jumped to such a yeah. conclusion about it and, and when I saw that I was like, Alright, I see where yeah you know, I see where people are, are are you know it felt ominous, but at the same time, you know people have such a a love and connection for that band that no matter what we do, what's posted that that rumor of the reunion always comes. Up. Yeah. You could take
0: a picture of your dog Yeah, and they're like, Oh my God, yeah. the band again. That's, exactly. Cause so it's I, wishful I, thinking, right? And that's as much as it's sort of annoying, I guess no, the annoyance right. is way uh, more outweighed, sorry, by uh, just how special the band is to so many people and what an amazing yeah. thing that is I and how it, lucky you are.
1: It's, yeah, it's, it's not annoying. It's just collectively like as, all of us we just don't want them, everyone, anyone to be to disappointed, be disappointed. Yeah. you know like I know what that's like that, that sucks and yeah. I don't want to give anybody false hope and, and you know make people like upset yeah. you know what I mean uh, we just wanted to do something nice and, and you know ended up like causing mm-hmm. a big turmoil On sometimes that you know the road to hell is paved in the best intentions you know? yeah but um
0: is it something that could happen one day could you see it happening
1: I mean a meteor could come and destroy the earth tomorrow <laughs> I have no idea you got no idea I have no idea That's a very well Well dodged <laughs> question there But I, here's you the You've got to ask though I would say that um, It's certainly not off the cards I, I don't think it's very likely But I would never I, I, You can't say never to anything You know what I mean uh, I have no idea but as I know that right now we're all just so, so busy that it yeah, yeah. doesn't make sense.
0: It's been really interesting to see the different directions in which you've all gone because at the start of this chat you were sort of saying how the influences uh, of the bands were so mixed and they right. came from a Britpop element and you know metal and, and you've kind of all gone off and done exactly those things, right? Where you came from in the first place. I mean, Gerard's album mm. was so... British indie influenced and, yeah. and amazing I loved it Hesitant yeah. Alien um, you've kind of gone back in touch to that punk rock side um, and you know I haven't really been keeping I saw Mikey at Reading actually playing uh, bass yeah. with uh, Waterparks
1: yeah which yeah. is you know really fun it, to it, see it, him. the Electric Century record is great too yeah, yeah. And, uh, and honestly like I know nobody's heard it yet but it I'm and I don't want to like whatever like take but Ray, Ray's stuff is so fantastic It. The record is amazing i can't wait for it to come out like
0: when's it out oh you don't know yet right 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 (laughs) right
1: i don't know but i i'm i have something and i think it's i I love it i listen all the time i think it's great he's he's the kid is he's way too talented and it doesn't it it makes me feel uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) and parachutes
0: man i mean what a record um We're talking earlier on. "Remedy" is a song I love. "I'll Let You Down" is a song I love. The Percocet song. What's that? The title of that track?
1: Uh, Dear Percocet. I don't think we should. I don't think we should see each other anymore.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. You obviously had a good time making it. You can hear in the album that. Yeah. As, As hard as it was,
1: it was it was amazing. Yeah, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I think we're pretty much
0: here. Is this us, driver? Uh, very close, yeah. I've got to yeah. go around uh-huh. the block to get on the right side of the street. <laughs> that. yeah. That's how you fill the time. Um, let's talk tattoos real quick, Frank. Okay. We've got a couple more minutes to spare. Uh, you've obviously got a lot of them. I know that you're yeah. a good friend Those of Miss Kat, Miss, Kat, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Kat Von D, uh-huh. who uh, is, you know, one of the most prominent tattoo artists in the world. She's a sweetheart, yeah. What can you tell me about Kat and some of the work she's done on you?
1: Yeah, I, you know, uh, I met Kat uh, a while ago when she was still living in Florida. And... Um, and she came out to a show, and uh, and she did uh, the uh, Frankenstein piece on me, on my forearm.
0: And you also did a song for the Frankenweenie soundtrack, didn't I you? I did. Yes. The Tim Burton movie.
1: Yeah, that was the first. That was the first solo effort. Yeah. That was it, right there. That was it. Right I love that film. Man. I love Tim Burton. Thank you. Yeah, that's why <laughs> I tried. I just showed it. I took my kids when it first came out and uh and they sat there but i don't think they really got it and then recently we rewatched watched it at home and then <laughs> scared the shit out of them yeah it's an
0: adult piece isn't it, <laughs> it like a lot is. of his stuff yeah. is it's kind of fairy tale and childish yeah. but it's got that dark adolescent quality
1: i love that movie. so yeah.
0: good so yeah frankenstein Uh huh. that's what you got done I got, I got
1: that done that was the first time we hung out and we became friends like really really quickly she's a rad rad person and uh and then from there she uh she, Were you on the show ever? I was on the yeah, show. Yeah, are I, I, uh, a reality it. TV star, you. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, she she tattooed my uh, a portrait of my grandfather uh, on the show and did a fantastic job. And um, and then after that, she uh, she did portraits of my grandmother's. And uh, she, you know, she. So she's she someone that. you obviously trust. Oh yeah, with yeah. the important pieces to. Yeah, absolutely. Doing justice. She's phenomenal. She she truly is. I mean, what a talent. Yeah, and just a really nice person. Yeah.
0: Well, it's been a real pleasure chatting to you, oh, dude. Please, my pleasure. I hope the journey Thank was you. good fun for you. Yeah, absolutely. As it was for me. <laughs> um, anything else you want to sort of mention or touch on whilst we're here and the record button is on? Jeez. <laughs> um, I'm asking him at a very uh, uh, well, the end of a very long day. It's one of those
1: days where you know, I, I feel like I, I I don't know what. What I said to who? And yeah, who yeah. You know what I mean?
0: yeah, yeah, if yeah, I, if yeah, I, yeah. Well, it's I'm, always funny as well when you do multiple interviews, actually, as the interviewer, because uh-huh. you know we've already chatted today right. on stage in front of five hundred people, yeah. and
1: I didn't want to just ask those same questions no, again. Course, yeah, you because wanna, you're like, like didn't didn't
0: we just do this, dude? <laughs>
1: right, no, of course. No, I I think you did a fantastic. Thank you so much for doing the Q and A, man. That that was. It made it feel so much more so comfortable up there. Yeah. You know. Oh absolutely. Absolutely. Well that's all I can do is make you feel at home <laughs> I and, and at that ease. Making me feel awkward. <laughs> that's
0: that's the gig, right? And then you can you know, I can allow you to just be you and give the yeah. people what they want, which is the truth, and it was it was crazy, man. I mean, all we were doing up there was talking and you could see even just from the answers you were giving and the things you were saying that people were being moved and inspired by it. And that is a special thing, man, to not even have to play or sing a note, but just to talk to them as a human and have them kind of look at you and go, "Wow, I respect and admire this person that much." That wow. they bring out these, you know, really strong
1: emotions. It
0: was pretty uh, powerful stuff.
1: Um, I, the power. Trust me, the the, power, <laughs> the Those moments were not lost on me either. I mean, that was that was truly. Uh, it was a it was a a wonderful evening. Seriously, it really was. Right on, yeah.
0: and thank you, dude. That's our driver, he's just parking. So we're here. Um, Frank, Miero, thanks so much for your Thank time. Thank you, man.
1: When I was a young boy, my father took me into the city to see a marching band. He said, son, when you grow up, would you be the saviour of the broken, the beaten and the damned?